Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Indie Football Podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by the sports editor of The Independent, Ben Burrows, Chief Football Writer Miguel Delaney and Football Reporter Jack Rathbourne. And this week, we are going to be talking about Manchester City, Pep Guardiola, and looking ahead to the impending return of the Champions League. A bit of housekeeping before we start. This week, we had originally planned to record the follow-up to our Super Club podcast, which was about the future of English football and whether football clubs remain social institutions or not. However, Tony is unfortunately ill, and one of the sacred rules of British sports journalism is that you can't have a conversation about factorism if Tony Evans isn't present. So, Tony, we hope that you get well soon, and we'll do that next week. Okay, moving on to City. They, of course, lost 2-0 to Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday. Uh, Miguel, you're at the match. Yeah. Uh, can you please do your best to make sense of the uh, the madness? Uh, City pretty much should have been 3-0 up for about half an hour. Really destroyed them, but as is becoming an uh, issue for City again, didn't take their chances, got spooked by that. And as Spurs and it did roll their luck, ultimately their tactics just about paid off because they got away with it. And then killed City on the break. Do you think it was similar to the Liverpool match when Spurs obviously sat back and absorbed a lot of pressure and came very, very close to grabbing a draw? Or were they better? It's weird, actually, because um, Spurs won the game and yet they were actually worse, I think. Well, particularly for the first half hour, at least, not the last half hour. were, were actually worse in this game than they were against Liverpool because City created more chances mm. uh, and should have been out of sight. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just more of that, I think. Um and I wouldn't be going overboard praising Mourinho for it because I think it's... I mean, there's no way of getting around it. They got massively lucky. <laughs> massively lucky. Well, it's not it's not the first time this season, is it? Obviously, two different managers at Tottenham, but if you look back to the game in very early on where, at the Etihad yeah. when Tottenham played City and City absolutely battered him in that game. I think Spurs scored from two of their three or four shots and then obviously had the goal disallowed right at the end from Gabriel Jesus. So that was another game where any other day... City would have It's just one of those. I think Graham Soonis was really good actually on Sky uh, on Sunday. He's saying it's just if it's not your day, it's not your day. And it yeah. really was. Did feel like that. It's it's obviously we are going to draw lots of conclusions. That's what we do as journalists. But it was one of those days, perhaps, where it's just one of those freak results in sport where just yeah, if it's not your day on a on a given day, then what else can you do? Yeah, the stats are absolutely ridiculous. So City obviously playing away from home. They had sixty seven percent possession. They had 19 shots and goals to Tottenham's three, six corners to Tottenham's two, and they played 362 more passes. Um, so I guess the question for you, Jack, is how worried should City be by this result? And is it even possible to learn all that much from a match when there's so many kind of random elements to it? I think undoubtedly they've lost their cutting edge. I think they, they're certainly not as ruthless as they were last season or the season before. And I think that's probably the most worrying thing for Guardiola when it comes to the Champions League because that's where they need to be most ruthless and I think certainly in in, in isolation over a course of 38 games it wouldn't necessarily have been a concern but against certainly teams like Real Madrid 
they need to be much more ruthless in front of goal and I think they really lack that now at the moment there's um certainly they, they need players to take responsibility and I think it's it's, it's lacking what was Guardiola like after the match mix? Because he shut himself away, didn't he, for quite a long time in the team? He didn't come out for a very long time. And then he was kind of, you know, where he worked his anger out in that time or his agitation. He was a bit more relaxed in the press conference. Uh, effectively conceded the title um, as Matt Law tried to push him on that. <laughs> Completely, I think, <laughs> he literally said to him, yeah, Pep nodded when he was asked, does he concede the title? <laughs> it goes to him. Can you please quote that? You can't, you can't <laughs> quote a nod. Can you do it? <laughs> uh, no, he still kind of refused. He kind of, you know, he did go, well, it looks very unlikely now, sort of thing. Um, he was in okay form. I guess he knows the kind of, he's aware of the team's bigger issues right now. And it's, it's quite weird at City because, I mean, the thing is, as this game proves, 90 to 95% of what they do is pretty still exceptional. Mm. But it's about that. The difference lies in that five percent, and I do wonder whether there's a bigger issue here as well. That's kind of self-perpetuating. Is that when you're the second-place team in a race where there's no doubt about who's going to win it, does that kind of add to a certain listlessness or kind of you know just further sappier intensity? To go with the kind of the fact that this team is now at the end of a four-year cycle and probably needs kind of a bit of replenishment anyway. You only have to look at the title race last season. It's sort of that's that proves Miggs's point really that. They were just relentless because they had to be mm. to beat Liverpool. Like they won 14 games in a row, and it's like this is broadly speaking the exact same team with are we like a couple of really good additions. So it's it's definitely that five percent is is a mentality mm. thing because they could play like this for the rest of the season, then probably going to finish second. So and Miggs is right at the, at the end of this sort of four year cycle that it is. It's sort of how much more can you tell Sergio Aguero to keep trying in a when he knows he's not going to win something. It's it's tricky for Guardiola, but obviously he's a he's a great manager, so he's going to have to think of a, he's going to have to work out a way of getting more out of this team. Because yeah, it, it would appear that even more than ever now, this is this season is all about the Champions League and then two games against Real. And this is a big thing, though. It's a big question. I think what's most inter- interesting with both City and Pep, he's never been in a situation where he has to revitalize a team. He's because he's like the longest he stayed is four years, which is what he's at City now and Barca. So he's he's never had to kind of do a Ferguson. And you know, get rid of a core group and bring in another, and which also obviously lends itself to the bigger questions about whether he's actually going to stay because those that talk isn't really going away. Well, yeah, we, we'll come on to that. Um, sticking with the the Spurs performance, obviously a lot of the post match reaction was so their poor finishing. Uh, Migs, your kind of big piece was on their struggles up top. What's weird is that they've they've scored more goals than any other Premier League team. They put six past Villa only last month, and yet some of their decision making, particularly in the last month. Yeah has been really, really lacklustre. And I think that's tied to the state of the race and just how extreme it's got. But, I mean, some of the scoring stats are obviously a bit amplified by the fact that they have had these massive wins yeah. against Villa, whereas Liverpool have been more kind of consistent scorers in every game. You know, some of their, their, some of their wins have been much narrower. So there's a bit of that. But And also, I, th- I think it has become more pronounced in the last month, well, especially the last two games. Although the, the, the XG stats indicate apparently that um, City are still taking... A lot of their or more, or more of their big chances, um, but I suppose that's a wider trend issue. Whereas, because I think the, the last two games, I mean, what, what feels like it sums it up was that David Silva moment against Manchester United. Yeah, that was abject. And there was there was an element of that on Saturday on Sunday as well, where I think there was one move in the first half where it was either Aguero or Gundogan was going to pull the trigger or Silva, and it was then it was just inexplicably cut back, and there was a lot of you know the sense of trying to score the best five-a-side goal possible. <laughs> 
Um, just before we move on to City in the Champions League and how they're going to do against Real Madrid, Ben, do you think this result could be a little bit of a turning point for for Mourinho? I mean, I know we've spoken about how this performance was similar in in some senses to the Liverpool match, but Bergwijn was obviously very good. Tanganga was very good. Harry Winks was brilliant. Can can they kind of kick on a little bit now? I mean, Mourinho's got to be hoping so. It's sort of he's, his blueprint is this in theory. It's getting results against better teams. It's what he's done throughout his career. It's how he started at Porto. Um Bergvine looked like he had a bit of that. He didn't have like a, as ever goals change everything. He didn't. He wasn't sort of central figure in the game. I mean, they had about four percent of the ball, so he was hardly going to do a lot. But it, the way he took his goal was excellent. We have in a player in his position getting that first goal was obviously really really important. So that should settle him in. Um, Son was a bit more sort of uh, certainly after the sending off was really sort of took charge of the game, which is what. Everyone always says in Kane's absence that none of the attacking players at Spurs kind of did it. Felt a bit like Son was like, right, this is my team here, and he's obviously scored the key second goal. Um, Tottenham, I mean, Tottenham is sort of there still. It's obviously one game doesn't change a lot, but um, as Mourinho sort of tries to sort of get a few more of his ideas into this team, um, he seems to be getting closer to the kind of team that he wants now. It'd be nice to see Ndombele play from the start a bit more because I thought he was excellent when he came on again. Um, it's getting there for him as ever. I think it's going to be more of a it's sort of more of a long term thing with him. If he can get in the top four, that'd be fabulous for him. Next season can be where you can judge him. Okay, throwing things ahead. City uh, next play West Ham and then Leicester before the big one, which is a trip to Real Madrid in the Champions League round of sixteen on February the twenty sixth. Um, first things first, uh, Rafa, do you think they can win that tie? Yeah, I think they can win. I think Real Madrid have been better uh, in since a pretty sloppy start, but suddenly I think Real Madrid have um, found the, the gaps, the, the emergence of Valverde. I think they have more options now, a bit more depth, and I think sun, suddenly Zidane maybe has a, more options to break down City than he, he perhaps did before the winter break. So I think while they can win it, certainly they're, they're not the overwhelming favourites that they might have been at the, the start yeah. of the last 16 draw. If City do beat Real, do they become favourites to win the tournament, or is that kind of a bit ludicrous? Mm, it'd still probably be Liverpool, wouldn't it? Um, I do think it's a bit of a referendum on City's season now this game yeah. Uh, because not just because the Champions League is obviously the one they want above all else but also because of what the Rathos mentioned there where it feels like this is flipped I, I'd go further than Rathos I think I would have City as favourites when the draw was made and now I'd personally have Madrid massive favourites wow. uh, I think uh, Madrid to be fair I'm, I've been a bit a real Zidane sceptic but they look very good at the moment Physically, really sharp. Look, the team works well. Um, much more better in the back. Yeah. Of late, much much better. The sort of this day, there hasn't been the Sergio Ramos clanger yeah. of late, and they sort of he seems to have got that back four working. Fellow Mundy's playing left back instead of Marcelo, so it means they're a lot better at left back than they were before. And Sidan made some really important changes at halftime in the derby at the weekend. Um, which shows he's sort of in tune with what his squad needs and wants. It's, yeah. it's quite interesting as ever with the, everyone always makes these grand conclusions as we all did after the actual draw in December. Mm. But with this draw in particular, so much changes between mm. when the balls are drawn out and then when they actually play. Like back yeah. then, it looked like yeah, City yeah. were in good form, scoring loads of goals, Rail were on the right ropes and Zidane was looking over his shoulder to see if Pochettino was in the car park or not. <laughs> and now it's all changed where City are going to go to the Burnabout in a bit sort of losing identity. It seems like Pep doesn't really know what his best team is right now, whereas Zidane knows yeah. exactly what he's going to do. And obviously, you, whenever you talk about the Champions League, Zidane, for his faults, as we pointed out before, mm. he's very good at this competition. And 
even in with teams much worse than the ones he has now, he's managed to sort of find a way of navigating his way through the sort of knockout stage of this tournament. It's just something yeah. to, if you I mean Pep's a great manager, but he's not been able to do that in the last I, I mean, cause half decade. This adds to it as well because the psychology of this alone for for Guardiola is massive. Um, we all know about how kind of neurotic the Champions League makes him, where he second guesses himself and makes all these weird decisions. Because I mean, without getting Potentially Jonathan Wilson about it. There's an element, <laughs> kind of, there's an element of kind of Greek tragedy about it. Now, the more he tries to stave off the idea of getting eliminated, the more he does himself, and the more he actually makes it more more likely. Because just he, in the Spurs game last season was a, was a classic case of it. Well, they're very similar to the game on Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a game where City started really well, um, and then missed a penalty, and then it all sort of like yeah. unravelled at the end, and they conceded a goal. When it looked like the worst they were going to do from the game was a draw. Yeah, yeah. this, this was the most ridiculous game I've watched since that game. I think. Yeah, yeah, and, and and all of this is amplified again because it's the Champions League, it's this city with that kind of Guardiola neurosis, and then it's the club that just have this mastery of the Champions League, and that Guardiola himself has this complex with because of his history with Barcelona. I mean, when when Guardiola was growing up. Barca had never won the European Cup and it was a competition he he would have solely associated with Real Madrid uh, so there are, all, there are a lot of layers to this I think suddenly though um, Real Madrid while they are the favourites they need to be a bit more ruthless in this game because against Atleti while they that 1-0 was quite deceiving they totally dominated them and in that first leg they need to press home that advantage and I think certainly they need to take their chances a bit more than they did in that game. I think Benzema is is really thriving this season. He's become a real leader, and um, yeah, I agree with Miguel. I think they they this the dynamics of the leg have switched suddenly, where the home leg first is now probably an advantage for Real Madrid, as opposed to the traditional sense of having the the home leg second. So I think they they can take advantage of a vulnerable city by having that home leg first. On a complete. Um tangent I suppose the biggest example of a a draw sort of changing in mentality from when it was made is Dortmund PSG I mean Dortmund weren't playing especially well and there was all these rumours Sancho was going to leave and everyone's unhappy and I mean look at them now with Haaland that completely well, fine exactly yeah we were talking off air just before he came on and it's, it's I mean it's it's hard to remember a I mean obviously it could all change but it's hard to remember a January transfer who's been like this and it's almost as if for whatever it was, the fee, 20, 25 million euros, Dortmund had bought themselves a real, real, real shot at the like quarterfinals for 20 million, which yeah. you'd always you always take. It's in a game where Kylian Mbappe is the young wonder kid in world football, there's going to be a kid younger than him scoring more goals than him on the other team. It's it's uh, it's really in- it really is interesting the, how the sort of dynamic of this one's changed because although Neymar's coming back into form again, um, the Haaland factor is just wild, and Sancho has had a better the, his best run in a Dortmund shirt over the last sort of three months since there was a bit of rumblings that Miguel reported on, with his few few troubles where he's not turning up to training or turning up late, and a few things in meetings at Dortmund which looked like it might be f- finally facilitating him leaving. He's really knuckled down mm-hmm. in that time, and he looks to be absolutely at his best. And it's it's yeah, it feels like PSG are going to come up against another team who are banging form like they did twelve <laughs> months ago, which is quite fun. Be interesting to see what happens with Royce, who might be out injured for certainly the first leg. I think a bit of pressure on Hazard maybe to to step up and complete that front three with Haaland and Sancho. So, yeah, see how they reshuffle that. But like you said, they've they've not just stormed back into contention for what is now at least a 50-50 tie. Maybe a lot of people will be picking them now to, mm. to dump PSG out. OK, uh, we're going to head through a quick break. 
Uh, when we get back, we're going to be talking about what's next for Pep Guardiola and also investigating how he's going to rebuild a team for a fourth season in Manchester if he decides to stay. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast. This week we are talking about the fortunes of everybody's favorite second team, the universally popular Manchester City. So, Pep Guardiola claimed earlier this season that he will only leave City at the end of the season if he is sacked. Uh, So if we take him at his word, he's going to be spending a fifth season in Manchester, which is interesting and exciting because this is clearly a team that needs some work. Miguel, how much surgery uh, do you think the team need if they are going to haul in Liverpool next season? Um, Well, I suppose there's two things. First of all, there's gaps in the squad, particularly at centre-half, they didn't fix. And secondly, there's that natural passage where to actually after again it comes back to the kind of Ferguson dictum after a, a cycle like this you almost need to change three or four players just to shake things up a bit now I suppose maybe you could argue that there's a few City players that well David Silva's going to go uh, but even some of the kind of the real tomes of the team like Aguero where it just feels maybe it's naturally the time to leave so that could help in that regard as, as painful as it'll be for, for some of the club to lose such legends uh, the other side of it is I suppose the question of I mean, this time a year ago, we probably wouldn't have predicted a Liverpool sustaining this pace and b City dropping off so much. So, I mean, will Liverpool be able to sustain that again? Um, as City themselves illustrate, the statistics suggest not. But um, I mean, so that adds a bit more. Of that so I wouldn't. I maybe wouldn't get too down for City about how difficult it is to catch Liverpool up because I think there will be kind of fluctuations there and they're still just a massively wealthy club who can insulate <laughs> themselves um, but yeah but in saying that I think they do need a, a fair bit of surgery yeah On that do you think they're still as appealing to kind of play for as they were because you know obviously they're always going to have the money and they're going to be able to pay mm. players an incredible kind of amount but do you think players could be put off by the instability and, and signing for a manager who you're almost certain will be off 12 months later uh, I still think that 
it's signing for Pep though, which and most players would say this is a unique historic opportunity. Mm. Might improve my game, probably the, the the high chance of winning something, the high chance of being involved in something spectacular. You know, in a classic case it is also I suppose Van Persie being so willing to work with Ferguson for what ended up that one season. Yeah. If uh, Pep does wield the axe, who do we think could be could be the victims? It does feel like the centre of defence is an issue that's not really been addressed. It's like, I mean, we, uh, Rich Jolly wrote for us a few weeks ago on sort of what has happened to John Stones. It just hasn't gone how they wanted it to go with him. And he's now like perhaps even fourth, fifth choice at centre-back now. Could his England place as well. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's been a, a strange run for him. And I think, I mean, Otamendi, it looked like he was going to leave uh, six months ago. Um, it looks like he will finally. They've never replaced company. So it does feel like, in a way, that how a couple of years ago he went and spent all that money on fullbacks in one go, it could be a situation where he tries to do the same with centre-halves. I think as a, as a complete neutral fan, it would be quite nice to see a bit more of Eric Garcia down the rest of the season because he looks like a real player and they all love him at City. So it's like, well, if you're not going to win the league anyway, you may as well see what you've got while you've got a chance to. Um, the, rest of, the rest of the team isn't bad, I think. Jesus scores quite a lot of goals. You'd be interested to see what it'd actually be like if he ever did get the run of being the number nine for the entire season, how many it would go. Um, so for a lot of it, it feels like they just need to get sort of that incremental difference from sort of the players who were so good a year ago. Bernardo Silva's not been anywhere near how good he was a year ago. Um, if they get Sane back, assuming he stays, I think that one's very very up in the air. That'll give you $100 million to spend if he, if he does go, but it'd also leave a gaping hole as... Someone they clearly missed. If you look at the the reason Liverpool didn't win, win the league a year ago was because Leroy Leroy Sane scored the winning goal in that game, and they do miss that miss that sort of like that directness on the outside where Sterling's a great player. He's been he's a bit out of nick now, but he's never been one to sort of go at a player. He's always he's much better at scoring or finishing off. Mm. His his movement's excellent, but Sane is different to anything else they've got there, where he really does get at defenders, get to the byline, scores a lot of goals. Um, they've missed him a lot so it'll be interesting to see what they do they're never going to be short of money um, and they're, they're always very good behind the scenes in a way that other clubs we always talk about aren't they've got a very sort of unified idea of what they want and the kind of players they want so you can be sure that Vigoristan and Soriano have drawn up a list of the targets they're going to want and they can go and get them uh, in the summer you'd think Yeah I'd agree with that Ben I think of all the wingers that could have been out for a long time I think Sane was the worst um I think certainly the Sterling now that he's out of form and Mares are kind of interchangeable. They want to come inside, they want to get involved, take lots of touches and Sane goes beyond, he just stretches the field. Um, so definitely missed him. I think while Liverpool have got it right more often than not in the transfer window, I think City, the way they've spent, like Cancelo just hasn't worked, has he? I think while... They, generic Portuguese fullback. Yeah, exactly. And I think while Walker certainly isn't what he was he can maybe fill in a little bit I think Guardiola wanted something more from that that part of the pitch um Rodri while he's he's settled in okay I think maybe they wanted a bit more influence there than he, he's perhaps given them while he's just been fine so yeah I think they they certainly need to strengthen at the back a little bit and then wait for Sane to come back or or flip him for somebody else if he he's sold on on Pep, he's been completely insistent that he's not going to leave and that he's going to set out his contract and he's going to be here next season. Do you buy that? Not completely, no. Um, once the contract is there, I suppose, but they can, it's something they can always say. Um, I have heard, well, well, I think I wrote this on Sunday, well, no one is actually City is saying that he's definitely going to leave Rotten. 
it has started to in, the possibility of his of him leaving has started to kind of condition some of the thought of uh, of key people at the club. So it's not like they're completely ruling it out. Um, they have considered some alternatives if it does happen, which is not to say they're approaching them. But Pochettino is obviously a a big uh, potential figure there, which could create <laughs> an interesting summer if. United say have something lined up with Pochettino, and then there's the danger of of City kind of of leaping in. And that, that that's very interesting. Um, going on pure gut feeling rather than any uh, inside knowledge, I think Pep will leave in the summer and go to Juventus. Wow. So I I I think he stays. I just think there's something perhaps a little bit. I don't. He really isn't going to like ending his. I mean, if they win the Champions League, it's an entirely different thing. But if he ends his Premier League tenure. 30 points behind Liverpool I don't think that's going to sit very well um, mm. I do feel like he wants his le- he, this legacy is something that matters to him it's the reason why he went to he took a year out before deciding where he was going to go after Barcelona how clubs and countries and leagues sort of remember him I think matters to him um, and he's always had his career sort of all plotted out in a row he was always going to do this then this then this it feels like ending this way at City isn't quite how he... He obviously isn't how he planned it. And maybe he just pushes one more year and thinks, mm. well, like Mig said, Liverpool getting 110 points, whatever it ends up being, is not, isn't not remotely sustainable. If they drop 2% and we go up 2%, yeah. then there's a chance we can beat them again. The one thing about the legacy, I suppose, he did. He was willing to leave Barca after winning just one cup that season, mm. uh, having won like three titles in a row. And that was... That, so he, he left there kind of on a bit of a downer. His, his legacy there was less about yeah, trophies yeah, true, and more yeah. about what he'd actually built. And he yeah. left that club and yeah, yeah, it's team true. itself in an entirely different yeah. sort of thing. So in terms of like, yeah, Barcelona have never been anywhere near since, have they? Yeah. So like, but, well, that, that's kind of the bigger discussion with Pep, isn't it? I mean, I've seen I've seen a few people like people that are maybe inherently not that disposed to him try to get this argument going. But maybe there is some merit to it that. If he doesn't win a Champions League and, and has only won fifty percent of his titles in his time at City, what? How do we rate that spell? Uh, and that's what it's going to come down. To. It is going to. It's 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 the Champions League now. A bus trip. It's it's tricky, isn't it? I think it's it's a it's a wider discussion you could have on sort of the art of management and mm. coaching, really. In that, if they're only giving out four trophies a year, how much do you judge everybody on how many trophies they win? Because it's inherently unfair. Mm. If City wrap up three of them last year, yeah. are you telling me that X, Y, and Z teams didn't have good years yeah. because they didn't win one of the trophies they could win? Um, but, 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 in it, sort of assessing his impact, you've you've also got to look at how much he's improved yeah. Manchester City, isn't it? So it's like, the, you look at, so Bayern, he, he ostensibly failed at Bayern because he didn't win a Champions League. Mm. But if you look back at what the players were when he got there and what he left behind, like Philip Lahm, Thiago, yeah. various players were just just transformed by working with him yeah. for that time. You look at De Bruyne now, the difference in him to what he had when he got him, Sterling. I mean, was, that, that has to be factored into his sort of, the impact he's had on English football yeah. is sort of the... How much no, is yeah, yeah. coach player, as well as obviously winning trophies, clearly. I, I think in terms of English football, definitely. He's, he's, his influence has been immense in just the way the game is played. And even you look at, say, how Rochdale play, right down to that level. But in terms of actual his success at City, I mean, as you say, I remember speaking to someone who works at City in the months before he took over back in 2016. And they said one of the huge things here is that they, it was quite business speak, but they expect him to upskill the entire club, which has happened, you'd say. But I mean, even even there's in terms of kind of the actual achievements, there's an interest in there. So you got the Centurion season, which is obviously hugely historic. Liverpool could now immediately render that; yeah. they could go one better straight away. Mm. Then he gets a treble, domestic treble, first ever done in history. Liverpool could potentially, 
<laughs> go better than that again um, with, with the with the kind of yeah. the European Cup treble. Um, so <laughs> it's one of those things. It's always a zero sum game. It's, yeah. so, it's something that we sort of uh, we sort of gloss over a bit because we're always talking about who's going to get in the top four or who's mm. going to win the league. And the reality is, if four teams get in the top four, then a fifth team cannot. And it's it may be that six teams think they should get in the top four, but only four can. It's sort of a a weird thing that if they get in, we can't kind of thing. So say City could have an unbelievable season, but if Liverpool, like last season, Liverpool had the best season they've ever had, basically. 97 points in a Champions League win and yet they were unhappy because City got 98 points and they couldn't factor that into the overall sort of their performance but th- th- that was completely out of their control aside from two games a season it's one of those sort of weird quirks of sport I suppose I still think that Pep's legacy like Miguel said is safe in English football because while this Liverpool team may supersede what they've done in terms of statistically and numerically I, I just don't think Klopp's teams resonate quite as much with teams further down the pyramid, um, like how our players crave to play football. I think certainly they maybe aspire a bit more to be part of the collective that, that Pep has. Um, they want to sort of replicate how he plays a little bit more than what Klopp has done. Um, that's not to uh, criticise Klopp too much. I just think it's, it's a very specific way of playing and you you can't feel that if you're a, an English a young English footballer unless you work with Pep. Whereas I think you could experience a similar sort of uh, environment uh, to the one that Klopp has with with other world class managers. Do we think that he needs to kind of rebuild a team, a la Sir Alex Ferguson, to be considered one of the greatest managers in history? Or has he, if he wins the Champions League with Manchester City, will he prove that? <laughs> It's, I suppose, a different context, isn't it? And I, if you go through football history, there are very few managers that actually have rebuilt a, mm. a team like that. Clough couldn't do it. Wenger did it once. Um, Fergie did it three or, three or four times. That's a good idea for peace, actually. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what, what to do? Yeah. It's basically, if you, if you look through the history of Liverpool, or sorry, if you look through the history of English football, the only, the only managers to have done it are basically... Or the, the only Liverpool, the only club to have done it. Or, sorry, United and Liverpool, the only clubs to have done it. One of those built around one manager. Um, also, yeah, I, well, I, I don't think it's, uh, uh, but just because of the nature of it, it hasn't happened that much in European football either. Obviously, to rebuild a team takes mm. so much time. And while he may not have done that, he sh- he's he's surely the, the only manager I can think of who has gone to three separate countries and transformed football in those nations yeah. and transformed how football was being played yeah. and how football was being taught. It's like what we were talking about in Munich with how uh, England is now producing all of these kind of brilliant mm-hmm. wide players who can cut inside and that, that's like his, his yeah. legacy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, do, I do think it stems from as well the initial inf- influence he had on football tactics back in 2008. Mm-hmm. That's spread. But then obviously by going to each country individually it only deepens that. Uh, because suddenly it's it's much more in your face, and it, it is amazing to think that when he first came in, like as late as 2016, when he first came in, and uh, towards the end of that, what was an, an underwhelming first season, there were still a lot of people saying Guardiola's football won't work in English football, which is metal. And 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 re, if, if you look at it, he like it's talking about the standards Liverpool have, have had to reach to basically do all this. It was Guardiola that set those standards in the same way that Mourinho reset them in like the mid 2000s, where suddenly the threshold of points leaps up. Uh, I suppose the final question is a very predictable one. Uh, Guardiola said last week that his whole spell at City will be judged on whether or not City win the Champions League. Uh, do we think he's been too harsh on himself or 
Will he have fouled if he leaves in the summer and they get knocked out in the Champions League and he leaves without ever winning that tournament? I mean, he was hired to win the Champions League, I think. That's that's fairly agreed upon. Um, he'd be incredibly disappointed. He's, there's no bigger critic of him uh, than himself. I think he would say openly that if he doesn't win the Champions League, then he won't have done what he was he set out to achieve. I think we've detailed the things he has done. Um, but given the resources of the teams he's had, given the draws he's had, um, to be knocked over by Liverpool must still hurt him. Um, Real Madrid will be a really interesting tie for all the reasons that uh, Miguel said. And it's, it's certainly a different, the complexion of that tie is certainly a lot different now than it was before. Um, as ever, it's a cup competition, so so much of these things, just it's on a knife edge. So it's sort of, we as journalists often read tremendous amounts into the bounce of a ball or mm-hmm. these kind of things. Um, I don't think it necessarily affects everything about it, just whether if Benzema scores a goal, which is offside in the Bernabeu, whatever it ends up being. Um, it's hard to sort of draw too many conclusions and maybe they then draw Roma or something in the next round and they're in the semi-final easy enough or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's down to things that you can't control. But um, um, I think they've they've got a good chance. Um, but it's a comp competition which is inherently random. Yeah, I think he's a bit harsh on himself, to be honest. But when you take a step back and you look at seven tries with Bayern and City combined... I think suddenly you look at that and yes, it is a cup competition and it's certainly a bit random from season to season, but with the resources that he's had with those two specific clubs, I think it's not it's not harsh to expect him to deliver one. But then collectively over that time, I mean, what are we talking now? 2011 when Barcelona won it with him last yeah. time? 10 years for the greatest manager of all time to not have won another one. I think that certainly he's open to criticism, but I think... Yeah. Anyone who's watched the Champions League throughout their lifetime knows that so many random sort of uh, characteristics to ties that I think overall no, but it doesn't look good, no. Okay, uh, thank you, gents. There's just enough time left for a hero and villain of the week. Ben, do you have a hero? I mentioned him briefly before. I did enjoy Neymar at his absolute Neymar best at the weekend. With There's very few, as was pointed out on Twitter, there's very few players who have that sort of that revenge mentality where if you get fouled, the the most people would go and push the other guy. Neymar decides to make him look a complete mug in front of a, a stadium full of 50,000 people by doing four step overs and dribbling it around him. Um, you've got to love that. I think it's very playground mentality. And as much as a lot of people hate Neymar, I think there's a lot more people who actually say, oh, everyone hates Neymar. I don't. So Are we a pro-Neymar podcast now? I'm definitely a pro-Neymar guy, yeah. You're not? Yeah, I think I am. I think I'm coming around. Oh, okay. I also admire the way he's knuckled down this season. Yeah. Fair Dyed, play to Dyed his hair bright pink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a good lad, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we are pro- uh, the vote I've has been cast. Oh, yeah, I like that. So I, I, I like unanimous, that. actually. Yeah. 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 He told the ref to fuck off on national television. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that deserves respect. Uh, Rafa, do you have a villain? Yes, I think, uh, well, collectively City are villains in the sense of they didn't finish the game against Spurs. I think Zinchenko, to to show that ill-discipline, to get himself sent off, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, I think, to pile on Pep right now, it, it wouldn't have happened had he stayed on the pitch. And I think they at least would have held on for the point, if not eventually broken down Spurs. So, yeah, Zinchenko, poor discipline and certainly can't afford to do that in a two-legged tie against a team as good as Real Madrid so lessons to be learned for Pep and that squad Brilliant, thank you Sadly that is all we've got time for this week Uh, Be sure to follow Indie Football on social media to keep up to date with everything going on 
If you're a new listener, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.